Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturate, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today we're joined by a good friend, Kate Deering, again. She's back on the podcast for the 50,000th time. Welcome back, Kate. Always a pleasure to be here. Kate Seal. As always. For people who don't know, author of How to Heal Your Metabolism, follow her on Instagram, buy a book. It's awesome. She's writing another book, which is great. Can't wait for that to come out. And today we're going to talk about digestion. All things digestion, because Kate was saying she's got a chapter, three chapters. Is it a one chapter? It's going to be, It's I'm on the, the second part of it. It was one and now it's going to be two and it could be three because everything, I, you know, it just expands as you start writing. And it, that's what happened in the first book. It was supposed to be like 100 pages. It turned into 400 pages. So Kate's got a lot of knowledge. It just ha- you start feeling like this is important, that is important. Let me add this, this, and that. And that's just how my my brain starts going. So you'll see it could be, you know, a thousand page book by the time we're done. But anyway. yeah. And I think a lot of like a lot of women that come into our program will suffer from some form of digestive issues, you know, bloating, constipation, IBS. Uh, and you know, it's so interesting, a lot of them, when they actually just eat more, you know, eat more easy to digest foods, get the nutrients in, you know, sort of focus on like improving the system as a whole, like their digestion seems to, I mean, it's not that simple. I know there's like other stuff that you'll talk about, but, um, just actually eating enough food. That certainly can be it. I mean, what I always like to tell people is. Your digestion is where your body interacts from the inside of you to the outside of you because you're taking things inside of you and then through your digestion is either entering into your blood or entering into your lymph system. But for the most part, that's where that interaction occurs through your digestive system. And so if what you're putting in you isn't enough, then certainly that can create a sluggish digestive system. Digestion is kind of interesting to me because there's like two sides of things, meaning you can put no food in your digestive system. And in some respects, it, it can get better solely because you, you, you're you not putting any irritants in it. Mm. We, we definitely know when we remove a lot of irritants and you can just do that by not eating, that some people feel better. And because we know how that when your digestive system is irritated, how many negative things can happen from that. So, but long-term, the not putting anything into you is going to create more distress because obviously now your digestive system isn't going to get any fuel to run. But again, if you're not putting anything in it into it, it doesn't really have to work very much because there's nothing in there. So from that context, you see studies of people going on very low carbohydrate or very low calorie diets and that you see these health improvements solely because I think there's less things irritating their system. Mm. Of course, that path long term is going to start creating more problems because now you're underfueling the system and and then the body becomes under more stress because it now has to utilize your own reserves to try to function and then anytime we put our system under stress because our digestive system works in that parasympathetic state and stress is in that sympathetic state as soon as you activate it that sympathetic state is kind of like deactivates your parasympathetic state although they can go at the same time we can both have them act at the same time but for the most part when you're under stress digestion is basically told to be inactive so your your digestive paralysis peristalsis everything digesting kind of hinders so that's why you know when you are as they say running from a bear running from a lion under stress 
everything starts slowing down. You'll sense that people get constipated during this time period. They're not digesting foods properly. And it's just because you have less blood flow going to that area. So if you can think of your digestive system, you know, it still has to run, meaning we, we, we require energy for that system to run. And when you're like, again, running from a bear, the last thing your body cares about is digesting food. It, it wants to take all that blood to your limbs, to your heart, to your brain, to your lungs, to get the hell out of there. And again, it doesn't matter if you actually are running from a bear or you have work stress, emotional stress whatever it all your your biology will still respond the exact same way and so you know and i know when i know when you talk to people i know when i talk to people in today's world everything everyone has a list load of stressful things going on in their in their, in their body in their life so we can always imagine that their body's going to respond but when people start to understand that hey look your your, your digestive system is going to down regulate when you're under stress well then they go oh okay so what can I do? Like, what what do I do? I can't take the stress out of my life, right? I still have my kids. Can't just throw them into working school like we could, but maybe we won't want to do that. But point being is, how do you meet those demands, right? We have all these stressful days. What do you do? Well, like you said, you, you got to eat more, right? And you got to eat more to supply the energy demands that your body's being put upon when you have stress. And so that alone can help the system. The question is, if the if the digestion is compromised, what mm-hmm. foods should should those be, right? If the foods are super hard to break down and 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 takes a lot more work and energy to get and extract fuel and energy from them, then you want to basically pick those foods that are going to be a lot easier on your system, so that your digestive system may not have to work as hard to get what it needs from from your food. Mm. Mm. Makes sense. So, do you want to talk about endotoxin? I do. Yeah. Um, right now. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, right. Well, kind of like, yeah, go back, right? So, endo, like when, let's just say that your your system gets backed up. And uh, what they always say is you have backed up system or eating foods that are hard to digest. The bacteria within your colon, right? You've heard of the microbiome. And basically that lives in your colon or your large intestine or the latter part of your digestive system. So 90% of your microbiome is located there. And that's fine. It's billions and trillions of microbes in that in that area and that's that's there to help basically for you to process and digest food however if you start eating foods that are really hard to digest and they get into this system then it basically feeds that bacteria probably more than it should and the bacteria can grow they actually can get into your small intestine and they're getting in areas that they shouldn't um and the same bacteria and they also called uh lps or uh lamopolysaccharides those are the gram-negative bacteria, and they can actually produce their own internal toxins. And when those bacteria die, those toxins get released into your blood system or first into your digestive system. And if you are stressed and your GI is more permeable, then they'll get released into your blood systems. And these endotoxins can do a lot of damage into your system. And one thing they do is they just hinder cellular respiration. So they're basically just going to hinder your body's ability to change the, the energy that you're getting from food into energy for itself. So they're going to block that respiration, right? So they are one of the main things that actually can create a sluggish or slow metabolism when somebody is not eating the right foods or under eating or had some level of GI issues and these toxins are being produced. And we see that in like every disease, right? and obesity and diabetes and chronic diseases and degenerative diseases that people have a higher amount of endotoxins in there. 
And like I said, they're just poisoning the system. So sometimes you can just lower the level of endotoxins by increasing and improving the, the gut and improving transit time and improving the foods that you're eating. And that alone can be the thing that helps improve somebody's overall metabolic rate or might improve their ability to manage blood sugar. Because the other thing it, it does, if it hinders respiration and it hinders the body's ability to take in glucose, then again, you're going to see high blood glucose numbers. So for some reason, that can be the missing component that helps them improve their blood sugar, that helps them in, improve uh, and improve their weight and helps them lower weight. And it's just that. It might not even be changing the calories, but it's just eating foods that will be easier in their system or that can help lower that bacterial load that improve their outcomes. Mm. Mm. Um, and talk about, can you talk about constipation specifically? Because it's a lot of women are constipated. Yeah. So obviously constipation is when obviously you're not having, you, you should have anywhere from one to three bowel movements a day. And if so if you are missing a bowel movement, everybody knows what that feels like. It's not a comfortable feeling. So it can come from a lot of different reasons. A lot of it is stress and under eating. And again, things start slowing down in the system. And if you have a, a sluggish metabolism and your body is just not able to process and digest your food, right? So from the time you eat something to it gets out of your anus, it can be anywhere from 24 to 72 hours, right? That's normal transient time. Um, and just so you know, like a good way to kind of see what your transient time is, and I have people do this if they feel like they're holding too much, right? You always feel like, I feel like I have a lot of crap literally in me. And I'm like, okay, something you can try is you can actually do some uh, activated charcoal. Mm. And activated charcoal is just a binder. Um, you can get it off Amazon. I usually tell people get the powder and then put about a teaspoon in water and drink it at night. And again, take it away from other food. And then notice how long it takes your stool to get black. Because activated charcoal will, will turn your stool black. So if it takes three days before you see uh, the charcoal, then you know you got three days worth of poop in your system, kind of, you know, and that can A, create, you know, anywhere from like 10 to 15 pounds of extra weight gain in some people because they have so much crap in their system. So it's just a good thing because you should see it at probably about 24 to 36. 24 to 36 hours. Mm. So again, if you're wait, taking a lot longer than we know that, hey, you know, and you might still have a bowel movement every day. These are people that might not even be constipated, but they just have a lot of crap still in them. Mm. So anyways, back to constipation. If somebody is constipated, <clears throat> then again, it could be, there could be de dehydrated. There's just not a, enough water. So the, in their colon area and then things get dry, impacted and things aren't moving. Right. And that's why magnesium is used so often to help with constipation because it helps get water into the bowel area and gets things moving. So that, that's certainly one thing you can do. Obviously, cascara sagrada and yours is a great word, can be utilized to get things moving. Right. But the bottom line is the question always is why are you constipated in the first place? And a lot of it is literally your body is not getting enough energy to effectively run your digestive system and or you don't have enough food in there to move through it. And you see that people that overtrain or do a lot of activity, people go on these long ass hikes and don't eat very much. Like they poop every three days and it's just nothing left for one thing, but there's just not enough there. You need to give them more energy. Right. And again, having those easier to digest foods so your body can extract the energy easier and the nutrition easier um, will help that system. And everyone's like, you just need more fiber or more hard to digest, you know, all these other things to create. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing, like 
60% of your stool is just dead bacteria. It's actually not fiber. And so it's a lot of dead bacteria, it's some fat, it's semi-digested foods and fibers, but not the, not primarily. It is a lot of the gut bacteria that's leaving your system. And when you understand that you probably have something like, I don't know, 400 trillion uh, gut microbials in the, your, your GI tract, then you can see that, well, yeah, then they some has to leave, and they do through your stool. Mm. But, you know, it, it isn't. I'm not saying that fiber is necessarily bad. I don't want to say that, but it certainly can create a sluggish process in a system that isn't a- able to digest food. And if we can take it, fiber, if you just ha- hammer exactly. it. Exactly. Right. It, it, yeah. and, it, and everybody is different. Some people can handle a, a decent amount of fiber and it does create bulk in your stool and that works for them. But yeah. if somebody that's really constipated and they have a sluggish system and they're stressed, Eating a lot of fi- extra fiber just, just seems to compact them more and create more distress. And then they're overly taking all these supplements or things to help them go to the bathroom. And, you know, and I don't know about you, but I meet tons of people that are on so many different pills to help them go. And then they're like either not eating very much or all they're eating is a bunch of like raw salads or all this fibrous food. And I'm like, okay, look, all of that food has very little energy. You can't extract much from it, and it takes a ton of energy to extract anything from it because it's all all the energy in the nutrients in these foods are are bound in cellulose, mm-hmm. and so our body has a harder time to break that down, and then we get very little from it as far as an, on an energetic, and that's kind of sold to you in the in the dietary space because they're all about eat less, right, and just have and get these high nutrient foods, and they're not all of calories, and that's what you should give yourself. I'm like. Not in a system that's compromised. It just doesn't work very well. And, I, and I've and i heard it over and I can't even tell you how many times I've heard it when people start to remove those foods from their diet and give themselves easier to digest food and, and enough nutrition to support it, their bowels and they feel so much better. It doesn't mean, I'm not going to say they're bad, right? Because they're not. I love a good salad here and there, but I don't certainly eat them like I used to because I understand, look, I need to energize that system. And I need to also make sure that I'm not in a chronically stressed state all day long, because if I am, my body's going to pull the blood flow away from that system, give it to everywhere else in my body, and I'm going to stay compromised. So yes, part of it is making sure you're, you know, you can supplement to help kind of move the flow, like we discussed, right? Having cascar, magnesium. Um, but the other part is making sure that system stays energized and giving yourself the fuel to support it moving. Yeah, I think like when people are saying, like someone Kate saying, don't eat salads. It's just that like women are saying, we get women, like this is exactly, this is my old diet, right? So I'd get up in the morning, drink the black coffee, you know, train faster. Then I'd have a shake, a protein shake with oats um, and some blueberries. And then I'd eat like cans of tuna with flaxseed oil and heaps of raw green vegetables. And then you know, I'd be eating the nut butters and then for lunch it'd be big ass green salad, you know, very little carbs, chicken, afternoon tea, boiled eggs, green vegetables again, more green vegetables at dinner. So I think, you know, like now it's always I'm eating enough carbs. So I might have like a steak, some potatoes and I have a nice Greek salad on the side. So just making sure that you've got adequate carbohydrates and protein. And it's more like it's a side, it's a complementary dish to the mains. It's not the main part of the dish. Yeah. And again, everyone, I mean, and if you are eating enough, and I've actually seen these with vegans who eat a considerable amount of food. Now, we were just having a discussion about this earlier uh, before we got on about cheese, cheese and vegans. Exactly. And but here's the thing about a vegan. Most of them don't eat enough. Right. And they're eating just all this like 
filler food and they just don't eat enough calories so their digestive system gets compromised. But ones that are really eating enough and probably a lot of the cooked foods and, and well-prepared foods, they can actually, it can work for their systems. But what I find is that people, as long as you are energizing and getting enough fuel, and you can add these other harder to digest foods into your diet and it doesn't really have the negative consequences if you are just under fueling your system. But like you, most of the people I see are people that have been on the diet roller coaster and are trying to do these pro approaches because they're low calorie and they're starting to get compromised and having other problems. And they're just finding that even when they're eating these dietary approaches, their systems, or they can't even lose weight anyway. And it, and it could be it because at this point in time, their digestive system might be more permeable, right? Might be more leaky. And look, we know that you get you can get leaky gut just by doing a workout that's too hard for your system, right? We know there's lots of studies and data showing even a workout past an hour that's super intense can create a leaky gut. So if you don't have things moving through your system and your gut now gets more permeable, well, more endotoxin is going to get into your bloodstream. And that alone is going to hinder your body's ability to produce energy. And so, and or get that energy into your cells. So that might just lead to you, can't get the energy in the cells, where's it going? Well, you're going to most likely store it. And so we start to see these people can gain weight with not even eating a considerable amount of calories if they have this high permeable GI system and produce a lot of endotoxin. Mm -hmm. So I always say that people that I work with, you know, you're doing a lot of things right, but all of a sudden they still have some GI distress and they can't lose weight. Then it's like, okay, we need to make sure our digestive system is running optimally at this point, right? So we might at that point in time reduce things like, even like starch, even good starches like potatoes, solely because they can be more irritating to the gut lining. And, you know, Dr. Ray Pete, he always made the statement that starch was more fattening than fruit. And a lot of people just don't understand that because they're like, what's calories? It's carbs. It all breaks down the glucose. You know, how can it be more fattening? And I'm like, well, it can because of the mechanism that starch can actually create more of a bacterial overload, which can create more endotoxin. And if the endotoxin gets into the blood, that can hinder the ability to be able to use it as energy. And that's where it will be more fattening, just because it can create more GI distress. If your digestive system is running optimally and starch works great for you, then go for it. I mean, potatoes are a great food. But for a lot of people that are having a hard time losing weight, sometimes replacing their starchy foods for carbohydrates and not changing calories at all will help them lose weight solely for the fact that they're reducing the endotoxin load. And we can see that in the keto world, in the carnivore world, because they are really eliminating all of these foods. And so they improve their body's ability to utilize glucose. A lot of their metabolic markers improve. A lot of their issues improve. A lot of their autoimmune issues. And that's all true in that space. And the question is, why is that? You know, one argument was like, well, they remove the poisonous carbohydrates. And that's like, and I'm like, no, we, I don't think that's because we certainly know that people need a very high carbohydrate diet and not have those problems. But we know that if someone has a, a high level gut permeability, has a stress colon, and you have a lot of leakiness, that alone can create all of those issues. So by removing anything that's irritating to the GI lining can certainly improve someone's health. But long term, that, that approach is going to have other negative consequences, right? So it's always interesting to look at research because you can see things arguing both ways. And a lot of the difference is, well, how long is that study? So the short-term ones, you know, will show how well and good fasting works for people because yeah, a lot of it is they are removing some of these irritants. So all of these things improve for these people. 
But if they keep going longer term and, and if the body's already compromised, that approach might have a different effect, right? So usually if you start looking at the research that goes much longer, it's not a lot of it because we just don't have the funds to do a long-term nutritional research. But they always start to see that either it, it becomes less affected or it starts to have negative consequences. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, yeah. but, um, what about IBS? Irritable bowel syndrome? Well, yeah. anything, kind of all of that will go under. Like, it, you know, there's irritable bowel diseases like Crohn's and colitis and that's going to be a whole different mechanism because that becomes like a whole autoimmune issue. And certainly those can be improved by just cleaning the gut out. I have seen people who take either a really good probiotic, um, actually improve all their levels of some of these autoimmune issues solely because it's lower in the endotoxin load. So those people will have a much higher propensity to it. And they maybe also have a thyroid issue. But in my opinion, those approaches can all be improved by cleaning the gut and keeping it clean because it will allow it to repair. And again, you have to think that your digestive system heals best in that rest and digest. I'm mean, sorry. Yeah. Rest and digest, which means you need to be rested. Right. And nobody knows how to do that anymore. And that's why we have some of these really alternate approaches to health. And what I love, I actually just did a, an eight day, uh, milk cleanse. Oh, and you just do to a mono diet yeah. and have milk. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I remember yeah. you were telling us you were going to do it. I was like, so tell us yeah. how it went. Yeah. So um, it was an interesting. So I didn't have really some GI distress. I just kind of wanted to see what it felt like to just drink milk for eight days. And I, I got to say, I didn't love just drinking milk. I felt pretty isolating because you can't do anything because, you know, you're like, all I can do is drink milk, right? On some level, and you got to keep getting it in. So for honesty, after four days, I, I don't normally drink. I drink like a glass of raw milk a day, I, but I primarily drink low-fat milk. Mm. And I went from drinking like one glass of raw milk a day to almost 10 glasses. So I think the increased amount of probably bacteria in that disrupted my kind of GI system. So it got a little loose for a bit. So I had to pull it back. And then for the final days, I actually added in like a carrot salad to kind of help things. Yeah. And I added a little fruit in because I was like, Ugh. it was just getting so monotonous. But um, I I kind of liked it in some level, right? And I wish I could sit there and tell you I had this marvelous effect, but I, I really didn't have any GI distress. I, I wanted to see what it felt like mentally, honestly. Like, how do I deal with this mentally? Do I tell someone to do it, right? Yeah. It, it is a little challenging. I totally miss chewing food. Um, and I did add honey to the milk because I needed way more carbs and then the milk was yeah. providing me. Yeah. And so, you know, whether that changed, I mean, I know other people have taken it and they've seen kind of like parasites. Ash and Sarah did it. Remember when they yeah. went, to they've both done it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and Jodel from Jodel fit has, yeah. has done it a couple of times. And so it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Sarah's done it a few times. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, they do it for different reasons. Yeah. What's that? Interesting experiment, good to do. It, it was an interesting experiment, right? But 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 what we found though, in some of these, there, there's a whole book called The Milk Cure, and they do it for 30 days. Um, but and they, he healed tuberculosis, diabetes, like all sorts of crazy stuff. And I think the main reason he did it is because he put these people on bed rest. So although he gave them tons of nutrients, right, all of it was being used right because milk is pretty easy to digest as long as you can break it down 
Um, all, when the person was under rest, basically all the nutrition and energy was being used to kind of heal their system. Yeah. Right. And so when you don't, when you're not in that rested state, right. And specifically your digestive system, it's always like inactivated, right. Stress like inactivates that system. So, you know, because our culture is like, well, we'll just eat a lot of fiber and start creating bulk and pushing that down. And that's the answer. And, you know, it is partially the answer, but if the digestive system is well fueled and we, and we allow enough rest to allow it to operate properly, then mm -hmm. we probably wouldn't have to do that. And we can see that in cultures that don't eat a lot of this fibrous stuff. But they, what, what we see in those cultures is their meals take two hours and they sit and it's an enjoyable event and they're right. And, and that, that culture would have a, a good GI function, but the American culture and a lot of other cultures of today, you know, people are like running out the door, eating in their car, walking somewhere. And, you know, that's just what we've become. So I'm like, we're actually becoming activated and trying to digest food and wondering where we have all these GI problems. No, that makes sense. Can you talk about periactin? Or cyproheptidine, if people would just call it. I don't know if you... Oh, we, the cyproheptidine. Yeah. We call it periactin. Uh, so it's an antihistamine. So in your stomach lining, you have lots of cells and the, and I can't remember what, so you have the parietal cells that produce the hydrochloric acid. They also produce the intrinsic factor, which helps absorb vitamin B12. Um, and then I believe you can either have the gastrin and I'm not going to remember, but those can actually, those are connected to like antihistamine. They produce histamine. Mm -hmm. And so cyproheptidine or any antihistamine is going to respond or react to those cells. And I think inhibit mm -hmm. histamine from being produced. So when histamine is being produced, right, it actually, we do need it, but it can also create allergen response. It can also create street sleep issues. It can create a lot of problems within our system. So by taking something like cyproheptidine, some people can actually show that they improve digestion, but they also improve sleep. Their allergy symptoms go away because a lot of what you're getting when you're having allergic responses is the response of some of these cells are getting activated and they're increasing this histamine that's coming from your stomach arena. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, okay, cool. So can now can you talk about like what can you do to improve your digestion? What are some simple things? Yeah, so the best thing is there are a lot of easy things you can do to help improve digestion. And the first one I would always tell people because it's so easy and if you just do it consistently, it really is a, a, a big, you can get a big bang for your buck. It's literally just eating a carrot salad every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there's a lot of hype about it and all, you know, does it really do this? Does it really lower your hormones? Does it really balance your hormones? I go, look, this is what it does. The carrot is a binder, Right. Coconut oil is antimicrobial, antibacterial, because it actually can help reduce the effects of endotoxin. Vinegar is the same thing. When you eat all those foods together and away from other foods, it, it's just going to work as like this cleansing mechanism to your GI system. But it can bind. And so for somebody that is basically uh, breaking down estrogen and then dumping it into your system, it helps bind it and remove it from your body just because it is a binder. It actually can also lower, help lower cholesterol because it's a binder and it can remove these things. And, it, and cholesterol, we find it in your stool. So having this good binder every single day can just help rid your body of toxins, right? Broken down estrogens and cholesterol, and then get it out of your system. 
And it just helps keep things, as I say, clean. I just think of it as like an antiseptic for your 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 small intestine and your large intestine, right? We actually can say it's like a natural antibiotic because it just keeps things clean. So that is something if anyone that's having digestive system, even hormonal issues, it is such an easy thing to do. Just do it, be consistent with it, right? It, it works a lot better if you do it every day versus once or twice a week, right? People are like, oh, I tried that twice. And I'm like, no. Like help, and because as your system gets cleaner, things will start to improve. So that's like a, a big one I would suggest to most people. Then just eating regularly, right, throughout the day, making sure you get that carb and protein, some fat into your diet to help balance your blood sugar and help give you enough energy because Look, you have to produce enough energy for your system to run. And so this is why it's just not about the calories in, right? Because the calories you're taking in in food, your body cannot use those as they are. You have to convert that into energy through digestion, absorption, transportation, and then cellular respiration. And then your body produces energy, and that's the energy that you're going to use. Mm through that whole process. And as we know, there's things that can block that, like endotoxin, right? And so that's why it's not as easy as just calories in, calories out, because you have all these other mechanisms that can inhibit that process. But that energy then that you're producing is what's going to help run your system along with rest, right? Well, you can usually assume that your digestion is about 10% of your caloric intake, mm. right? So if you're eating you, I don't know what you're eating these days, 3,000 calories, <laughs> something like that. Right, then we can assume it's taking about 300 calories to break down your food, and it depends. Like if you have more protein, it could take more energy, but it's a considerable amount of energy, right? And if all of a sudden you started eating nothing, right, and again you aren't eating, you know, you're not eating anything now. So my, but if you all of a sudden started eating just tons of leaves and 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 not eating enough fuel, then you might get compromised. There's not enough fuel now, especially if you kept doing everything that you're doing, right? You have a good deal of muscle tissue, you're very active, you're busy all day. All of that takes a considerable amount of energy. And your body's always going to fuel what you are doing externally before it's going to try to fuel some of these other processes. If you need to go run a marathon, well, it's like, I need to give the energy to that, right? We're not going to worry about digestion right now. So those things are always happening. Yeah. And uh, so raw carrot salad, eating enough fuel, eating regularly, having um, enough fat in your diet, um, because that cannot kind of activate bile. You need bile to break down fats. And you want bile to kind of help get the trouble. What, what would be a range for fat? Do you think per grams per day? Uh, it it. So that's such a broad question because some people it depends on the person. But I, I would say for a woman that I'd say for a woman that isn't dealing with a lot of blood sugar issues could be anywhere from sixty to hundred grams. Mm. Right, like you. And it depends. Some people do a little bit better on higher fat, and it depends on kind of what a fat there is. But because you do need it, some you want those fat soluble nutrients, uh, basically, right? Because so you can get your fat solubles. Mm. But some people just do a lot better on fat. Um, I've certainly worked with people that might have some other blood sugar issues, and higher fat doesn't do well for them. So we might go as low as thirty to forty grams. Mm. Um, so, but I think people can go up into that range and be totally fine. Most women, I would say, are between fifty and seventy. Yeah, that's where I feel like, yeah, like yeah, but it, any yeah. calories, total calories. Yeah, just, yep. and some people just like, like enjoy eating slightly high. It can be more consistent with it. Yep. And some like lower fat. Yeah. Yeah. And it can feel, well, more fat can feel more satiating to people. Right. It will help with kind of how 
quickly like the carbohydrates enter your system. But for other people, as far as carbohydrate usage, it too much fat can kind of hinder that process for some people. Mm-hmm. And so it works better to do lower fat for them. Um, so that can certainly help the process, but it, it, it's also just, you know, for now, at least removing those hard to digest foods, you know, like the leafy green vegetables, the nuts, the seeds, um, getting all the polyunsaturated, the unsaturated fats out of their diet are really limiting those because again, the PUFAs can also hinder cellular respiration in a lot of different ways. So, and they can also hinder digestion. So getting those out is super helpful. And so, you know, eating more of the saturated fats. Uh, the coconut oil, the ghee, butter, um, tallow, those are all better fats to to utilize for, for better digestion. And then if needed, they can add a supplement in there that will certainly help. Um, I know Cascara Sagrada can certainly age. Good age Cascara Sagrada is super helpful to help people get moving. You just got to be careful. You know, too much can also make you have loose stool. So try to get some that's like powdered form where it's not in a capsule and you can kind of dose yourself to what you think you need and or magnesiums and a lot, there's different ones. I think oxide, glycinate, taurate um, are all fine to help kind of get things moving, but, and also dose dependent that, right? You're going to have to see, because if you, if you get loose stool, then you know, you've usually done too much. Mm. And so, but those will help certainly with constipation and get things and improve digestion. Another one I... I do like to use if somebody has too loose stool, they're not taking too much magnesium and they're, they're kind of having that constipation diarrhea effect. And that can be a sign that they have a little bit more endotoxin. So getting on a good spore-based probiotic that has the bacillus strain probiotic in there. Um, in the States, I know we have Vegaspore, which is super effective. That can really help people's digestive system calm down and kind of help the gut lining. So those would kind of be my top five things that somebody could try to do. And of course it's look at your stress, look at your life. You know, if you're in like, and, and you see this with people that have had trauma in their life or a lot of issues, they have a lot of GI distress. And because there's such a deep connection between the gut and the brain and you will feel things, right. And a lot of people who had a lot of stress in their life, it's like holding and that, that, that sympathetic state is just constantly being turned on. And their digestive system just doesn't work effectively, right? They have really poor vagal, they have poor vagal, ter- uh, vagal tone, and that alone will create some distress, right? When you have weak vagal tone, it's not activating your digestive system. And so, you know, doing some vagal exercises can certainly be helpful to those individuals, but there's a lot of different factors. But I think the, the go-to ones are like, remove the hard to digest food, carrot salad, eat regularly, Make sure you're supporting your system with enough energy and possibly adding like a cascara sagrada or magnesium. It's really interesting. Like we've talked about this before, like Craig is when he stresses digestion is the thing that it really is effective. Whereas me, like my digestion's never, occasionally I'd get a bit constipated, but nothing. Like even when I'm really stressed, it's never my digestion, which is so interesting. Like it's my cycle, my sleep. Yep. Yeah, I feel it. I think everyone has like an Achilles heel, I call it. Like not, we don't uh, operate with the same things affecting us, right? And I've seen people that are super sick and they have the greatest head of hair, right? And individuals, right? They have, usually most people are super stressed out, lose their hair, falling out, right? But then there's these other people that have, everything else falling apart, but they still have great hair, you know? So I'm like, if there is an anomaly, and yes, and I always find it's either, 
usually most people's starting point is either digestion or hormone function, yeah. or they kind of get a little distressed together. But those seem to be the, the the areas where your system's like, look, we don't need to procreate if we're stressed. So it's not going to, you know, like we can still live without procreating or having a good cycle. We yeah. can still live without having good digestion. They both suck to have a, a painful period and, and, and crappy digestion, but you can still live, right? You can't live without energy to the brain or the heart and lungs. Like those things have to happen or you start dying. So your body's always kind of taking note of that and like, well, where can we give less energy because we need it for other stuff, right? And so it's deciding where it's going to utilize it. And so when the body gets, you know, and I don't want to sit here and come off like you need to get out and not have any stress. That's certainly never going to happen. And you shouldn't look for that. Like you should be able to look to how can I best manage my stress and how can I meet my demands? Meaning I look at stress as anytime in your body, there's more demands than your body is capable of producing the energy to meet. And that will create a stress reaction. Right. And it doesn't matter where those demands are coming from. Come anywhere, your body will have the same biological response. So going to elevate stress hormones doesn't matter where, even if you think about something stressful, right, that that alone can create that stressful biological response that your body's saying, I need something. Right. We, we need to run. Right. You're, you're feeling threats and the body is having response to that. So finding ways to meet those demands is always very important. And the problem comes with a lot of people is when you get stressed what happens a lot of times like i don't have any appetite right we see those people all the time they're stressed out they're like i don't i don't wake up i'm not hungry i don't even want anything till two o'clock in the afternoon and i eat a little something but then by night when they're out of their stressful environment they're like oh okay now i'm hungry and i'll eat two thousand calories right Mm -hmm. and and that certainly is not a, a way to manage that you know you want to make sure you're eating during the time your body is needing the energy and so, so for some people, it's like reteaching their body and a little bit in the beginning, especially if you wake up with no appetite, you're like, look, we just kind of have to force it a little bit in the beginning, meaning you might have to force eating a little bit and then eat again in the next three hours to try to get your body to, 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 to learn that you're finally going to feed it. And what ends up happening over time is that now they create an appetite and now they want more. And I know you would agree with me that I know I feel best when I have a big breakfast. You know, I eat good six, 700 calories on any of yours gets even a little bit bigger. I didn't used to be like that. It used to be two to 300 calories. You know, I was like, I don't want to eat too much. And I want to save my calories or yeah, whatever yeah. my thought process. And it never really worked because I would just overeat at mm-hmm. nighttime anyways. Yeah, yeah. But it, it would be like a box of cereal, ice cream, and, you know, all those crazy things that you would do. And here, but then you repeat the process again because you wake up not really an appetite, eat your two, three hundred calories, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, and I'm like, if you can flip flop that and actually give your body a good sound amount of fuel to to work off of, and then you know, eat again and tra- train it to eat while you're busy. You are by the time dinner comes, you're like, I'm good. I eat my dinner. I'm fine. I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't need my you know two glasses of wine to calm myself yeah. down. Not getting yeah, it's it's yeah, available. Yeah. They're digesting. Yep. They, and then their body gets the fuel. And then guess what? They sleep better. And then they wake up and they poop and they feel so much better. And then their mood gets better. Right. Because if you have bad digestion, it can affect everything. Mood disorders. Right. You get a system. The way. Get, you get someone getting it. You can. I probably would tell you everyone that has some mood issues has some digestive issues. Mm. So oh. you can literally work on improving their digestion their mood will improve. Okay. Very sad to me 
because so many people are being put on antidepressants today and nobody's talking about their digestive system or addressing their diet or any of those things. When if you can improve those things and get them their system being better better energized, right? Their mood and, and as soon as you get things moving, they will feel so much better, right? Mm. But your digestion affects everything because if your body can't break the food down and then absorb it, or it's absorbing the wrong things, because again, 70% of your immune system is in your digestive tract, you everything is going to be affected. Yeah. And so it's a good place for people to really focus and try some of these things, even if they're not even like, what are my macros? Like, look, just do these other things, right? Get some good food in you, eat regularly, get some good amount of protein, eat easy to digest carbs, have a carrot salad, get pooping. Right, work on those things. I'm not saying that approach will work for everyone, but it will work for a lot of people. And if I had a nickel, maybe a dime, for everyone that's like, oh my God, my digestive systems work so much better because I'm not eating raw cabbage and raw lettuce and raw kale and raw, raw, all this stuff. They feel so much better just by removing and then, and then eating some carbs that are much easier on them. Right. And then again, Later date, they might want to choose to add some of these foods back in as a side salad or whatever. Again, they're, they're not bad foods, but they shouldn't be running the show. Yeah, not the main part of the meal. I feel like I feel like the French have it right, you know? Like you look at their food and it's always like they eat organ meats and lots of dairy and, you know, they have salads, but it's just, it's like a side, like it complements a dish, like adds a nice crunch or extra flavor. It's not this big ass fucking salad and then this tiny yeah. meat, you know? Um yeah. Um, okay, cool. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to add that you haven't, that I haven't asked you? No, not off the top of my head. I mean, I, I, I honestly just think though, if when people get into this approach and again, I will, I will tell you this, in the new book I'm going to be writing, all of these questions are going to be answered and I'm going to go into like a thorough explanation of how your digestive system works without getting too complex. Because it is a really fascinating system and how it operates. Mm-hmm. And and you see how many mechanisms are involved in that. And you can understand because it just kind of shuts down in then- that sympathetic state. And in today's environment, everyone just chronically being stressed, whether it's by EMFs or blue light or not getting enough sun or they're sitting on social media and depressing themselves, you know, all of these things. You can see why everybody's getting sicker and more compromised and, right. and, and antidepressant sales are through the roof and everyone's more depressed. And I'm like, where is this all coming from? And the, the food is shit too. So there's that, right? But mm-hmm. like, that's a whole nother thing, right? We have all the chemicals and additives and crap that's in our food. It's definitely affecting our digestive system, mm-hmm. right? We, we can see that, you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of the, the vaccinations, they also can affect the digestive system. So we've added, and I'm not saying any one of these things is the thing, but any one of them plus another one plus another one, or them individually can be affecting the system. And so that is a really big place to look. And a lot of times if you can approve that, a lot of all your other symptoms will also improve. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Kate. And as always, everyone, take a screenshot and uh, share it of the episode and share it on Instagram stories and tag me at K-R-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-L-D. You can tag Kate as well. Share your biggest takeaways. And each month I pick a winner uh, and they get a tub of saturated premium collagen valued at $79. And we'll be back again next week. (laughs) 